Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 489. Yes, I'm getting close to the big 500. Who would have thought I would have lasted to 500 episodes of this stuff? But there we go, listeners and viewers. You email me, you say you like it, so I provide it. We've got a great show. You can join us live every Friday on the WP Tonic Facebook page. We push it live. I've got a great, powerful, and insightful panel. I've got a special guest. He, uh, he has returned from last week. I will return, and he did. You know, Stephen. Uh, uh, round two. Yes, round two. You're a brave man, Stephen. It shows you, you know, you, when you're young, you can be brave, can't you? So I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Sally, Sally, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yes, I'm Sally Getch, the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup. We had our first online meetup uh, last week and more people showed up than usually come to the live one, even without the pizza. <clears throat> and uh, I'm here uh, as a contrasting voice and because I have opinions. There we go. Um, Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I'm the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We help small businesses simplify their uh, sales and marketing. Yes. And we've got Uncle Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Spencer Foreman from LaunchFlows.com. And Stephen, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, Stephen Sauer from Zipfish.io. Uh, we're a WordPress hosting company that focuses on making WordPress as fast as possible. There we go. They're, they're um, a sprightly startup. But before we go into our stories, I want to talk about our sponsors. And I want to start off with Kinsta. Kinsta Hosting. They've been hosting the WP Tonic website with Kinsta for over three years now. They've been my major sponsor for three years as well. I've been delighted with the hosting. They tell me they've been delighted with my efforts to promote their great hosting, WordPress hosting. Now, what do you get with Kinsta? Basically, it's hosted on Google Cloud, the the best hosting platform, I think, at the present moment. And they provide a custom interface and superb technical support. So if that's interesting to you or your clients, especially if you've got a WooCommerce uh, membership or e-learning website, you should go over to Kinsta and have a look at their packages. And if you do buy one for yourself or for your clients, the main thing you've got to do is tell Kinsta that you heard about them on the WP Tonic website. Our second sponsor is LaunchFlows. LaunchFlows customizes your WooCommerce checkout experience with Alimator. It liberates the function and design layout of the individual checkout components into a powerful selling tool so you can turn your vision into reality with no coding required. Well, that sounds scintillating, doesn't it? So you have to go and have a look at that. Uh, um, and also they've been kind to provide you, listeners and viewers, a great coupon code and you get 25% discount if you use this and it's WP Tonic Rocks. I repeat that, it's WP Tonic Rocks. So go over to launchflows.com 
have a look at it. It's an amazing product and buy it. So we start with the first story. Uh, front, I'm probably even going to mispronounce it. Front to tea. Ontity raises one million from automatic cave fund. Euros. Oh, it's you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Correct me. Yes. That's like $12. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Not the last time I checked, but the other way around. No. Yeah. Now, now that we'll be buying milk for $800 a gallon with the funny money floating around. Shades of the Confederacy. Yeah, start off, Spencer, you did anyway. So off you go, Spencer. What did you think of this one? Well, I think this, uh, I mean, the the basis of this whole story is that like Gatsby, Frontity is trying to do a different way than PHP to present the content. So I like the concept because we talk about this all the time, that the real end use of WordPress is going to be as an engine, a CMS engine. And what you do for the front and the back end, you know, data entry, data display is going to be evolving. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff. Uh, you know, hopefully my girlfriend's in the house, Alexa and, you know, Siri, they all will be able to work with my WordPress engine. But for right now, Gatsby was an example. Fronty, Frontity is apparently putting effort into making a WYSIWYG kind of interface for people who otherwise built PHP themes to do the same. I think it's cool. Um, there's a lot of learning curve, but since we're all not leaving the house, I would encourage people, and there's a, another story you might talk about, to consider it's fun if you start with an end thing and work backwards to learn how to do stuff. And one of the premises that I've always taught people in my previous businesses and even now with launch flows is it's really fun when you start with an example of what you want and then you just dig in and realize how it was made. So I think that's what they're doing here. They're trying to say, look, you don't have to be afraid of React. You can just start with the end result and then, look, this is going to be just as easy as a PHP thing. Yeah, yeah. What did you reckon about it, Sally? Well, I I noticed it, uh, first of all, because, you know, we're we're seeing these uh, assortment of uh, acquisitions and and investments and things, and we have another... uh, um, a story about something like that, but you know, one of the last uh, investment rounds we noted was for Stratic, which is also a company that basically converts your WordPress site into a static site. Yeah, um, and that you know, it seems that uh, <clears throat> you know we have this uh, universally acknowledged um, problem that WordPress can be slow, uh, and. <clears throat> that uh, there are, you know, it lots depends, of people put, putting efforts that. into making it fast. I, I remember saying something about one of these companies to my husband, and he's kind of like, what's the point? As in, like, why wouldn't you just use something fast to build your site with in the first place? Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I think part of the point you're is like, people are really familiar with, with you WordPress. Him sound, you make him like a, you, I bet your husband is quite, he's a quite nice person. You're always making him sound like a bit of a jerk. No, yeah, well, you've met him. Yeah, oh. he's, quite, he's quite pleasant. No, well, he, yes, he can be extremely charming and sociable, and he also has this well, you, must have, you must have saw something in him. You met oh, right I, I, I see a great deal in him to this day, but, uh, um, you know, uh, he also uh, really likes to be a smartass. Um, <laughs> And Does anybody really? I, think I know somebody weather? else like that on this panel, don't you, Sally? Oh well, yes. He'd probably he, he doesn't do this hour of the morning. Right. Uh, can, I, can I ask Sally this question? Does anybody here, starting with Sally, really think the web is 
too slow right now. Like, does anybody really feel when they're using a website? So, oh gosh, absolutely. I wish I had back that extra second and a half of time while I spend the next 12 hours looking at my iPhone. I mean, uh, it depends. You do notice if something takes forever to load because, you know, the faster... But like, what's, for, what's your forever time? Like, let's talk about that. What is a forever amount for a website? 10 seconds to load a page? Eight seconds? Like, where's the, oh my God, something's wrong moment? Honestly, my tolerance for, like, web time has decreased more and more. Like, five years ago, I was happy to sit there for 10 seconds now. Like 10 seconds feels like an eternity. Right. I, I mean, I, remem- I remember the days of dial-up and, and when you would sit there in gray bar land watching <laughs> things load. But, but, you know, I remember it sort of intellectually. I don't remember it in my gut, you know, my... my the, I mean, flash the, websites, right? Like watching the like thing draw itself for to get your Chinese food. You know, it was like four minutes while Adobe Flash is loading the whole website. I used to make those. I used to make uh, those as I got into this guy. Yeah, right. But it's, you know, our, our, we get less patient as things in general speed up. I'm going to jump in for a second. Uh, Go ahead, Adrian. While, while uh, to- tolerance certainly varies across consumers' aspect when they go to sites. For those who build websites for other people, uh, generally clients receiving those websites are, are pretty pretty sticky about site speed, whether justified or not. And uh, so any tools that help developers or web designers building sites that their clients are happy with, whether, you know, depending on their level of education on what site speed actually needs for their industry, then, you know, it's a good thing. So it can certainly make uh, us on the on the product provider's end, our lives a little bit easier for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what and, happens. You know, there seem to be all those studies that, you know, if, you're, if your store loads, you know, one second slower, you lose X number of sales. So, you know, apparently somebody cares. Well, I think yeah, that's, but, the, that's yeah, the falsehood of it, though, because what we find in practice is Google page speed, all of those scores are, Steve and I discussed this at length this week, but like all of those things, are basically false when it comes to dynamic content websites, e-commerce websites. And so while I agree, there is this magical, like what the hell's wrong with this page that keeps going circles moment. And I agree with Adrian's point particularly, like we have insane clients. The more money our clients make, the more insane they are where they come to us and say, oh man, I lost $100,000 today because my website is WooCommerce and it took two, two milliseconds longer. And then we look at their stats and like the sales are up 300%. It's because they see something that isn't true because some douchebag told them, look, you've got an F on your page score. And then they come to us and we're like, yeah, because your clients are checking out with your abandoned cart thing and your JavaScript and your analytics and your Stripe thing and your validation. And it's like, it needs a couple seconds to go up to space and back like the old Louis C.K. joke before he lost his way. You know, like give it some time. Because you're actually having a transaction. And that's the interesting part about all of this is that the perception is affected by false information that came from a generation of tools before when everybody just had a ballerina single page website. And I think there needs to be an adjustment of expectation of like, wh- like wh- what's the difference? Five seconds, eight seconds, who cares? I think there's a big difference depending on where your where your user is at in the flow. If the user is looking for information, right? So I Googled like, how do I do X, Y, and Z on my blog? And I click on the first link and it takes eight seconds to load. I might hop out of there because my assumption is that second Google link is just as good of information as that first. And I'm not tied to that brand yet. I was just talking to uh, a guy over at Lessonly, or actually he used to work with Lessonly. They're like a 
uh, a learning management software and they use, or <clears throat> they did use WordPress for their blog and a lot of their conversion funnel type stuff. And they reduced their load time by several seconds. And he was saying that they had, they saw like about 140% increase in conversion from like, from just top of funnel people. And like, I think that's where it matters is like to get your top of funnel site speed matters. Once somebody has purchased from your website, the mat, like taking a second off a load time matters a whole lot less, but it's that top of funnel stuff, that one second, sales page, four seconds, sure. like sales makes a big page. deal. Yeah. yeah, like if the, if the sales page takes more than a second or two to load, that's a problem. But once they've committed to clicking the buy button and they're in the checkout page, uh, especially, especially after they've clicked the checkout now button, I think all bets are off. As soon as they've committed to a process, they can't stop anyway, right? Like, here's my credit card, buy. Yeah, that, but if, you're, that, if your actual transaction hangs up, that's really worrying. But hanging up is different than, I'm not talking about broken. I'm talking about like, if they click the button, like, here's my credit card, I want it. And it takes four seconds or six seconds or eight seconds or 10. They can't stop it. As long as it just literally finishes, that's, you know, that's where people freak out. And that's actually a good aspiration for how to build today because sales pages could be static with Gatsby in front of you or React or HTML like minified. And then the checkout pages could be, look, just get them to the point of giving the credit card and press the button. But once they press that button, and they're especially a membership site member. It's like doomed. Scrap doomed. Oh, on to the next story. Um, Stripe is silently recording your mo- movements on the customer's website. I'm shock horror. Um, Sally, I think this is one that you found, wasn't it? I did drop this in there. I think somebody I saw somebody posted somewhere, and, and the guy seems um, uh, extremely alarmed. Uh, about what he found out about, you know, what uh, Stripe was tracking on on his uh, site, and uh, that this was quite. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be more. I'd be more shocked if uh, if one of these companies wasn't tracking you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there was some. There was some discussion where it where it got posted about, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, that uh, up to a point. Uh, your uh, processing uh, sites have to track things to avoid fraud um, and that it's not like this is unique to Stripe. Um, And also I asked about, well, what if, you know, because it's talking about if you have the whole sort of Stripe JavaScript set up, you know, does it work the same way if you're using something like WooCommerce? Um, And it is apparently a little different because you're only using the uh, API at at that point. Um, But I thought that since we talk about tracking a lot and um, uh, that most of us don't think about, uh, I mean, I think most of us do, but but people in general either don't think about what's being tracked or or they hear something about stuff being well, tracked. I don't, I don't absolutely think, terrifying. I, I don't think about it. I, I just presume that anywhere I go on the internet, I'm being tracked. Uh, yeah, pretty much if you don't want to get tracked, stay off the internet. Um, <laughs> Basically. I think, I think like a year or two years ago, Stripe changed their documentation to say that you should include the Stripe snippet on every page of your website. And I never dug into it, but as soon as I saw that and when I was building sites, it also like alarm bells go off. Like, of course, like the only reason why you want to be on every page that somebody loads is so you can track what pages and what they're doing. Um, uh, yeah, and when we get back to that performance question, you never want to load something on every page if it's not being used there. Yes. Yeah, it takes time. And 
I mean, well, that's another place where I guess jumping back to the other topic where having a React based or Gatsby type thing makes that faster because you don't have to reload that script every time on every page load, right? That, that script is already loaded and just re- gets re-executed. But um, as soon as you start, somebody says, hey, stick this in your footer, stick this in your header, load it on every page. Like they're grabbing every data point that they can grab. I just, I just think, you know, on the verge of um, 5G, you know, I mentioned this yesterday with our interview show, you know, the speeds in the probably the next two to five years that you're going to, it's just going to be mind-blowing, you know, this right. this whole this whole thing about speed. Well, you think, you think that, except that the speeds we have now would have been mind-blowing 10 years ago. Um, right. 20 years ago, and we just adjust our expectations. But it does reach a point of saturation. Like, if you do think back, you know, the 64K modem, and then, ooh, I'm getting an ISDN, it's 128. Like, you would literally yeah, see hey, lines, I mean, when I got like, the lines the drawing time, on a page. The, right? the, the, the 14.4K modem was 14, fast. 14.4, even better. But, you know, to even watch a video was impossible, or, you know... Get a Verizon Verizon account, go back to 3G for five seconds from your normal 4G LTE, and you'll remember like a moment, oh my God, one video on YouTube takes eight minutes to get. But but what I think about this stripe is it's a non-story. It's a non-story because like their entire purpose, which the Collison brothers have done so well, because I do remember life before Stripe. And to get a bank to set up a merchant account and give a blood test and DNA and your birth certificate and you know, 10 witnesses to your being a real person. Like now a client could just go and sign up with an email and immediately put money into their bank. Like, of course they've got to track what people do because there's a world full of criminals out there doing nefarious stuff. And if they can't see the person's weird behavior bouncing around your site, they can't track what's going on. And I think this is a stupid, stupid premise to say, oh, the privacy. Well, somebody has to keep an eye on you if they keep you safe. Like your bodyguard, if you're, if you're a president and you have a secret service, of course they got to know when you go to the toilet and stuff like that because otherwise they can't keep you safe. So... That was a horrible image you just put into one. Yeah, you don't (laughs) think of Obama on the bathroom. (laughs) Michelle. Uh, No, 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 I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, let's go on to the next story. Um, Right. Block Lab team are joining WB Engine. Um, I'm going to put this over. What do you reckon, Adrian, of this one? The consolidation continues. Congrats to them, and I'm sure they're going to be able to do great things together. Um, just goes to show that WP Engine has a very serious hard on for uh, making the future of WordPress strictly, or or at least having a significant level of control over the future of WordPress is is, is something that they're intensely interested in. Yeah, it's going to fit Sunny so blocks um, Studio Press, you know. Are you, are you think they're going to convert it all into kind of blocks anyway, aren't they? But they have done. 
Oh, right. So, so that, that, yeah, I mean, it's all, all the new themes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for, that my ignorance. Get educated. Some of us don't utilize the um, studio price. Well, no, lots of people don't, and, and you're not required to, and it's not suited for everyone. But, uh, yeah, one of the things that the studio press, uh, that the acquisition by WP Engine allowed for was, um, you know, uh, being able to invest in shifting over to uh, uh, block-based uh, home pages and and uh, theme design setup, and uh, so they've been doing that. They've you know they they've done it with all the the new themes, and they're uh, rolling it out and redoing some of their older themes as as well that way. Um, and <clears throat> so you know it makes sense, and there is a, a definitely there has been a, a studio press commitment to. I mean, a, a WP Engine commitment to uh, Gutenberg. And, uh, you know, this is in line with that. Uh, you know, there are not a lot of us in the Genesis community that I know of that have worked much with um, a Block Lab. So, it, you know, it's kind of intrigued to see what happens and mm. uh, 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 and try it out. But, uh you know, I think it's a reasonable kind of a bet to make because uh, you can't assume that everybody is going to get into uh, uh, doing blocks with uh, React uh, and, um, you know, and yet there are always going to be occasions when people need a block that somebody else has not built yet. Exactly. So, Spencer, it seems to be following what you've been preaching for the past six seven eight months you know around hosting and what they're going to be doing yeah so everybody's building their avengers dream team and yeah. i'm obviously i've gone to the show and again that's i would like to say i met steven and steven's going to be part of my avengers dream team i think we're going to work on something because at the end of the day everybody's going to need does he does he know that no <laughs> not yet but we'll figure it out uh, hypnotized. <laughs> we've been working on Adrian for a long time. We'll see if Adrian wants to fall in line too. But the idea is there's got to be essentially a Netflix membership economy result at the end of every rainbow, right? There's just no way. The WP Engine people are very, very smart, right? Jason and, the, and Heather and the rest of the team, the investors, they see there's no future in hosting by itself. I'm going to make a serious attempt to get Jason on the show. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I, I can invite Jason. I don't know if he'll show up. I haven't talked to him in years, but I mean... Yeah, I can, please do. Uh, whatever. Uh, I, I, know got, it, I got once... Um, from, I knew yeah. him from a couple emails back and forth. And one of the nicest and really literally probably smartest human beings I've ever met in my entire 53 years. Like genuinely brilliant, brilliant smart. But point is, I'm assuming what I'm saying is true because it's just patently obvious to me. There is no future for any company that does just hosting. They have to literally be like, we want that relationship with you and here's, you're going to get everything. Now, everybody will have their own superheroes in the team, right? It's the Marvel guys versus the DC comics or whatever. And you got to figure out what it is that you want when you join that team, because they're going to give you a package. The package will be, look, everything you need in one spot, pick your flavor, pick your whatever, and it's going to have support. It's going to have relationship building. It's going to have things that go beyond the use of the website into the strategy and psychology. And this block lab thing, quite honestly, to me, is just really logical. There's three guys that made a cool thing. They're very smart. 
and uh, WP Engine had the money to bring him onto the team. Hello? Because those guys aren't going to make it on their own in a world where there's 64 billion new blocks being made every day. I mean, you have to be part of somebody's, you know, Avengers right. team. And, and they already have the atomic blocks people for, a, you know, a, a, a lab of, of, you know, sort of... Uh, Genesis. Genesis is like the... the Bring all the, the crew that love Genesis to be our customers. And what we'll do is make Genesis easy to work with blocks so that you get hosting blocks, Genesis, blah, blah, blah. And look at all the faces there, you know, that you want to hang out with over here. That's, that's what it's going to be. And we'll see how this pans out in the next six to 12 months. But absolutely, I'm sticking with my original prediction. Before the end of 2020, this will be what we'll say has happened. That by New Year's this year, we'll say, look, there's five Avengers teams you can choose from that have this all, like, laid out. Suppose it doesn't really, you know, as long as you can migrate from one to the other reasonably easily, I suppose. Because GoDaddy will make sure that that one, <laughs> their one won't be. Well, I'm uh, sure there's still going to be the, you know, the, the GoDaddies and the EIGs out there, you know, doing the bargain basement, this is a commodity stuff. Um, right. Yeah. That's what they do. They'll do the for the people that are attracted to the my website can only cost a dollar. Yes. Those are the people that go to a GoDaddy, of course. And by the way, GoDaddy is still the best if you want the, the domain yeah. name registration hosting. Because when you register there, it propagates yeah. immediately and you can add an administrator an administrator onto it. So like when we have clients that go to name cheap or name something or dot, 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 I'm like, please don't. Just get it at GoDaddy, and then we can get your site up and running in the next five minutes. But for all the rest of the stuff, yeah, it's... Crap, isn't it? But you're, you're totally right. When it comes to the domain, you know, when we got them, we say, oh, go to GoDaddy, you know. I use Namecheap. I, I, I use, I use Namecheap also. Five, five I just, minutes. I can't stand the constant upsell on GoDaddy. But I will say that they're, you know, they're pro account and the fact that you can easily at, give somebody access is a really nice feature. Yeah. Have any of you guys purchased a domain name through Cloudflare at all? No. They, like, they launched it. that service maybe like six months ago, maybe a year ago, something like that. I forget. I haven't needed I've just wondered what that experience is like. Yeah, God, I'm, dealing with, I'm dealing with a client now that's in Australia and, and um, <laughs> I don't know. I seem to yeah, my my husband still has some of his domains on a, a, a registrar in Holland, and they cost a lot more. And it's yeah. kind of like, are you going to migrate those things like in this lifetime or what? Yes, yeah. in this lifetime. Well, let's go for our break. I've got some more great stories. The panel seem up for it. We've had some intelligent discussion. Obviously, not for me, but from the panel. But we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, we've had a feast, a discussion about the wickedness of Stripe, blocks, a WP Engine, and front 
Frontly or whatever it's called. Frontity. 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 Thank you, my beloved co-host. Uh, you um, uh, um, saves me at my weakest moments. That's what a good co-host should do, isn't it, Adrian? Uh, um, so <laughs> you do. You do. Oh, he's uh, he's very calm because I'm very trying, aren't I? Uh, um, so there we go. Uh, um, uh, so on to the next story. It's time to build. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, Very motivational. <laughs> you start off with that, Adrian. It's time to build. What did you think of this story? Yeah, I mean, so for so for it's pretty thick, and the general gist is basically saying, "Hey, listen, you know, uh, there are lots of things that we could be doing with the vast amount of resources and time that we have now been allotted." Uh, where, you know, a lot of us are at home and, you know, governments are trying to figure out how to keep people employed and, you know, subsidies to corporations and to the individuals. And there's just lots of money flying around for basically people doing absolutely nothing. So the the general premise of the article is like, well, we should actually, what we should be doing is focusing on projects that have yet to be accomplished, like flying cars and whatnot and devoting resources and human intelligence to those projects for people who have been displaced or out of work or or whatever. Because now we have vast amounts of people who can't go to work for various different reasons. Either their office has needed to be closed, but there's this vast amount of human capital that can now be reapplied to other segments. And someone is essentially needs to take charge and say, hey, listen, this is the idea. This is what we want to accomplish. We're accepting hiring. We have government funding or private equity funding or whatever. And let's put this human capital to work. And that's basically the premise of the article. I mean, it all sounds like all well and good. It's very Star Trek-y. Uh, and uh, I'm, a bit, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. And, you know, it's all... So that's, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, really, I think, though, it's going to be... I mean, government has failed to ever really capture the 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 need for innovation when it comes to situations like this. So I really think the power is in uh, technology companies right now who have the ability to be vastly distributed, uh, like Automatic and like WP Engine and like all, so many others. Uh, so right now is an opportunity for a, like super fast innovation with all of this capital at home. We were talking to Chris Badgett yesterday. And uh, we were talking about how legacy education institutions are suffering because nobody's going to school now. And they're trying to like, they're, they're haphazardly trying to get their courses and their material online so they can reach the online audience. And I think there's a super huge area or, or super huge opportunity for corporations and, and for-profit entities to invest in training their own workforce so that they could bring the vast now the now available human capital up to speed for very very little cost they don't have to go to legacy operators anymore to for their hiring pool and they could train their own workforce to do the jobs that they need them to do and i think there's a huge opportunity for corporations to start building those aspects they got the money they got the time now and I, I think that's where, you know, if we're going to focus on building things. I think that's where a lot of corporations can start focusing on building is their own privatized education to, to train their own workforce. 
Yeah, it sounds really logical, and I can understand what you're saying, but it ain't going to happen uh, um, because yeah, <laughs> um, no, no, and that's not a disparaging remark because what you're saying it's always puzzled me. But then um, I have the misfortune to um, had the misfortune to work with a Fortune 500 company and see what their attitude. The wheels of bureaucracy turn slowly. Well, it's just their general attitude. <laughs> just their general attitude to internal training is is not seen as something that really adds value to the bottom line. It's it's seen as a kind of. Um, well, I mean, because for a legacy institution, the, the then what happens is the onus on of training is on the individual rather than the corporation. Yeah. Right. They, so. They, they, most of the training I observed in this organization was appalling. Um, and they, they really, it's just, it's just easy to poach other people's talent. Um, and, but, you know, but that was, that's my observation, that corporate American. Certain, corporate it's act. certainly easier to do. Well, that. I, th- I think part of the point of the school. article is, is castigating this, this ossification and, um, complacency and saying look at all the things that we you know that we could have been doing uh, as a nation with with you know wealth and and talent but instead you know chose to do something else and it's part of why we're very uh unprepared uh for a situation like this and and that um you know that, well, that America hindsight should, 2020 oh well it always is but that you know <laughs> that America needs to return to manufacturing but not like the kind of manufacturing that that gets talked about by you know the people who are missing their factory jobs but you know highly automated uh, uh, manufacturing to to make things cheaply and and so on and and so forth and it's like well you know it sounds very good it would probably be extremely useful to have but um uh you know, I, I don't see anything in this article about what you're doing to get it started. Um, I think I think you can see, you can clearly see trends, positive trends, and also really extremely negative trends at the same time. You can really see there's been um, in high tech since, the, and this what has happened recently might reverse this. That if you wanted a really good job in the tech industry you really there's about nine cities that you had to move to you had to move to a city to um as a young person and to get that kind of job opportunity um which is crazy when you when the technology allows um talent to be distributed all over the place but but the trend was that you had that um large part of the population were moving to nine um, large mega cities in America, and that trend is global. You know, it's quite fascinating. Am I waffling, Spencer, or is there some justification in what I'm saying? Uh, my take on this article is that Mark Andreessen is... You did reply to my... Was that politeness that you didn't reply to my uh, question? I, I think you're onto something, but i just refocusing it because I, I read this very clearly, and I've... I've had some experience dealing directly with him and his minions in previous business things. And what I, <laughs> what I feel is the scenario here is a complete lack of mm, people who have succeeded and are in the world of venture capital, especially and Dreesen Horowitz and the rest of them are living in a bubble that yeah. 
articles like this make it very clear versus somebody like uh, an AOC or somebody who's in the trenches politically trying to change things or a Mayor Cuomo or something. It's not about politics. It's about people who have billions of dollars of capital at their disposal and the ears of the politician and the world leaders. His article is just like somebody at a country club whining about why the soup is cold or why the, the foie gras doesn't taste good to the other country club members. At the same time, not one of them will ask the people in the kitchen or the waitstaff about like, how's their family or, you know, do you need anything or can I help you? Instead, they'll shit all over them. And the problem is there's a complete misalignment between all the capital in the world and what it's being used for. People like Andreessen Horowitz will spend a billion dollars on bullshit Twitter-like apps to service people who already have money to do stuff that's, sure, maybe important here and there. But God forbid he immediately takes a couple hundred million of his own money and fixes the problem of homelessness right in his backyard in San Francisco by building a homeless shelter or by building a school or by, you know, in other words, it's not charity. The problem is when you go to politicians who are inherently corrupt by the nature of getting to where they are, if you make it into the United States Senate or Congress, you've had to kiss so much ass and suck so much something else that you will never be free from somebody's influence. But the billionaires, the Andreessen's and the Bezos and the Gates, some of them actually do stuff. Like them or not, Bill Gates actually is, Melinda too, doing stuff. Horowitz has done nothing Andreessen has done nothing. Uh, Twitter. He's, he's a bit of a toad, isn't he? Like toad he's done ball. nothing. So here's what I say. I say his premise is right, but here's what the problem is. He only cares about pleasing his investors and shareholders. That's it. And that 1% is living in a world that they don't experience what the rest of the America is doing. So then you combine that with the politics of hate and racism and bigotry like it's going on now politics or not, like, why are people still talking about the wall or cages and stuff when we all are worried about just getting basic testing? Those priorities will not change from him talking. They will change from him taking $100 million today and building something that he's talking about. So I say, whatever level of economic capability you have, what we can all do is at our own level, Get involved in something where we just don't wait for the politicians and we don't wait for the thing and we be entrepreneurial. But this is pandering to some fairy tale of like, look at me, I'm talking higher stuff. Take some of your money and don't worry about pleasing the shareholders or getting it back and go do something in San Francisco, for God's sake, where Sally's telling me like, you know, there's people stepping on needles on the streets and stuff when they used to be out. So it's like, come on, what the hell? I think what's interesting, I don't know if any of you have like worked at a startup that was bootstrapped versus working at a startup that had funding, but that's what this kind of felt like. If you have the money and you have the luxury to be able to invest in things that aren't generating revenue today, then like, yeah, it's a great time to build. It's an awesome time to utilize those people. Um, And I think that's what this article is talking about. But if you're at a bootstrap type thing where you're focused on revenue and if it's not a revenue driving thing, it is like you don't have the bandwidth and you don't have the overhead to have that luxury. Then this article just kind of falls a little flat because it's like, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm sorry, like the, like the loans that, you know, someone got from the government has to go to paying an employee 
that is working in the kitchen that because you're barely scraping by, you know, as a restaurant doing takeout orders or whatever. Right. Um, and you got the government right now who's trying to do something radical, giving like a pittance to a bunch of people. But at the same time, just think about it. Bezos and Amazon, who I still love for the company, like they could slice off maybe like 10 cents on the dollar of every extra dollar they're making today. And that by itself would pay for every ventilator, mask, first responder to, have, you know, like they could just buy all of the solutions immediately. But you know why it'll never happen? Because nobody at the government level is going to make that happen. Nobody at the like country club level is going to tell one of their peers to do that. And in the meantime, they don't even think of the rest of the people because they're living in the clouds. Like he's not worried at this stage. Maybe back at University of Illinois, when he was two years you know, younger than me and he was in the computer, maybe he thought about these things. Now he's so in the stratosphere, it doesn't even occur to him. Well, you need There's the money no, for those rockets, don't you? Well, no I, I mean, you know, if it's time to build, then, uh, you know, this uh, somebody in the position he is should start building. You know, I mean, this is human by example. The problem, the problem with human nature is not going to be overcome by money or by like any of current politics. It no, unfortunately, overcome. human nature is appears not to be overcome by anything. But exactly, you need to have a fundamental pact in society. Which this is beyond the scope of this call. But like, you need to have a fundamental pact that, like the founding father said, we're all equal, and that essentially we're on this life raft together. And the the rich and the poor have to find some place where nobody is at the extraordinary ends. We can still go to either side, but you can't have a society built where ninety five percent of the people, like right now, are basically unable to survive an extra day without whatever they do for a living. That's just an unstable foundation. And guys like him are part of the problem because they squeezed every drop out of the capitalistic system. Oh, I've got to say to you is let them eat cake. That's what I've got to say. Well, I mean, those days of reckoning like are going to come, you know, Mitch McConnell aside, but like Mitch McConnell's comment recently about like states should just go bankrupt. Like that reflects the current <coughs> of at least part of our... Well, he's, he's Mr. Toad of Toad all, isn't he? Uh, on to the next story. But thanks, for this. I've turned you into a bit of a socialist, haven't I? <laughs> it's not socialism. It's just common sense. Like anybody who would say that that's in government is like reflecting. They have no clue how the real world is working underneath them. I mean, it's just crazy. Sally, when Sally was living in England, she met loads like me, didn't you, Sally? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I fit right in with that. <clears throat> didn't want to live. Uh, leave Britain because I was afraid of not having the national health. Yeah, so, well, you, sometimes you've got to be afraid of it. <laughs> All right, on, um, on to the next story. Well, yes, but then you can come to America and pay a lot of money to not get anything yes, better. exactly. Is Yelp past its peak, or should you invest in Yelp review marketing? I'm not sure if I should ever... It's obvious, isn't it? It was always a crummy company, and it's, you know, in the present situation... It's probably suffering quite a bit. Well, I, I, I'm a little suspicious about this article because it doesn't seem to make any reference to the present situation. <clears throat> and even though it's got like a date of two days ago on it. Yes. I, 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 I wonder a bit uh, uh, about, you know, I mean, for a lot of businesses, uh, Yelp reviews have become irrelevant because they're not allowed to be no, uh, open. But, but also the, uh, you know, the, the company that's written this article appears to make a review product. Like I said to Yelp. I consider Yelp. To, bit, uh, I just consider Yelp to be one of you know a cockroach of the internet, basically. You know the whole company, but it keeps stank. It keeps making loads of money, 
and I suppose it, its tactics and the and the, it, you know some of it's myth, but some of it seems to be really very truthful. Um, it's just a cockroach of a company. But what do you reckon, say, Am I being too unfair to them? Uh, no, I, and, and nobody I know who's had to deal with Yelp um, has a good thing to say about them uh, as as a business. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of a uh, kind of a given among uh, among businesses. Uh, didn't we do a story uh, a while back about uh, the people whose response to to Yelp was to go and solicit uh, one star reviews? Um, <laughs> But I, I do remember hearing about that. I, uh, go on, go on, go if, on if I just look at like my own vernacular and you know the friends that I hang out with, like five years ago, we'd be like figure, trying to figure out you know where to go, it'd be in a new city, whatever. I'd be like, oh, like let me Yelp that. Like now, I I can't remember the last time I was like, oh yeah, let let, let me Yelp a restaurant. Like I that's just like fallen out of my vocabulary. Like even without me like thinking about it, and I think that just like pinpoints the issue like no one really trusts it anymore no one it's not your first instinct to hop on yelp to look for a restaurant like i'll google it a thousand i think, they, I think they've managed to stagger on because they've got this very perverse complicated well at the core it isn't very complicated because it's they give they give google gobs of money but they've sued google they've got into con they, they've had this typical corporate when you got these big beasts, they got a very complicated attitude. Well, you sense it's well fundamentally it's driven. The drivers of the relationship isn't that complicated. It's just about money. But Google still, you know, it wasn't for the assistance of Google. They they would be a nothing company. Am, am, am I wrong about that, Spencer? If Google, I don't even understand why. apart from the money side, why Google gives them such placement because fundamentally I don't think much of their reviews and they've been proven by their business methods. You know, you live in Chicago, they're well known for their business methods. Their ratings are crap anyway, aren't they? Well, it's known to be an extortionistic business model. So essentially, if you don't participate, there was earlier a fear from any restaurateur or business owner that they would you know, fear of missing out. Uh, what has happened, however, is that if you use Google natively, Google's business listing actually makes you well-known enough to be found because no matter, even if you find Yelp on there, the priority on your phone especially is given to the Google result. So much like Stephen's result, I actually loved before, you know, in the before times, I used to love to go out and eat. That was my big entertainment. My girlfriend and I would do a lot of restaurants and Yelp would be good for discovering what's in the area. However, on the rating and review side, it really was, and proves at least up until the end, to be an extortionist model, which is to say, if I have a hard-on for a particular restaurant service, I can very easily go to number one in the review section of like shitting on that restaurant, and they can't do anything about it. They literally cannot do anything about it except one thing. Apparently, there's a system like, like you're tithing that if you give Yelp enough money, they will allow that to be edited. And so essentially, that is how that model works. So many restaurateurs had either done the opposite, which is uh, not participate, or done some clever shit. Like I heard of one restaurateur, I thought we talked about it on the show, who did something that said like, specifically in the dark says, 
make sure you say the worst thing possible about us in Yelp and we'll you 50% know, give off pizza. Was right? Wasn't that? Yeah, they were a pizzeria. Uh, you, if you left a one star review, they gave you 50% off your pizza. Right. To say F you to like Yelp. And I think that's the end result is that Yelp definitely contributes directly. There's no question. They pay Google. I don't know how or why, but that's just essentially what it is. And but it's they got to, have they? If they didn't pay Google, they, it would be a nothing company, wouldn't it? Well, today, yeah, because Google really owns the eyeballs. Like, who would bother opening up your Yelp app when you just type well, in I suppose Google account? allows it because, you know, they're in enough trouble with the afford. It's not, you know, they, they would normally be hammered, but they've got this very cozy relationship. They get paid for it equal to or better than the value of whatever the referral would be from their normal listings. Because remember, Google listings, you can have for free a business listing. It's just the extra tchotchkes you can buy on top of it. But Google doesn't care because their end goal is to be like Amazon, the nexus of everything that happens. Because ultimately, that's where they make their money from the eyeballs, not from the specific thing that is delivered. All, and I think that, that fits in their strategy. The all-known sphere in Westworld. <laughs> See how it works with Amazon because now love them or hate them and all the other things aside. Like, we're all lazy enough just to go like, yeah, I'm going to check there first. If anything I want, I'll check there first. It may not be where I buy, but I'll check there first. Same with Google. It's like, why not just type into the URL of your browser? And they own that too, so. There we go. All right. Um, I'm going to drop the last story. On, on to our recommendations of the week. And I've got one. Yes, shock horror. Oh, God, if I can find it, I'll be even better. Uh, um, oops. Oh, God. Oh, share God. Logins Pro. There you go. Yes, it was. Um, it's sharing user logins with code export. I've used it on a couple of projects. It's a great, it really helps when you're going to have to share login details on multiple sites um, and does much more. It's got a free version and a paid version, and they haven't paid me for this plug. So that's good. Sally, have you got something you can recommend? And please, panel, put all your recommendations in the chat. It really helps me get the show notes. Okay. Uh, recommendations. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got new uh, earbuds um, mm. because I was noticing the old ones. Um, it started to hurt after a while. And, you know, we're all on a lot more uh, Zoom calls. And uh, it's a little bit of a challenge for me to wear over-the-ear headphones because glasses. Yeah. Uh, Spencer may have experienced this and, and Jonathan. I, um, I wear pieces. So, that, yeah. And, uh, hey, uh, but it's really hard for me to get earbuds because my ears are small mm-hmm. and most of the in-ear ear earbuds are, are very uncomfortable. Um, and these are Sony's. Uh, they don't say on them what model they are. So I'll look it up. Um, they're not terribly expensive, but they're uh, fairly comfortable and they, they block a lot of sound more than the old ones did. So everything seems a little strange to me when I uh, when I put them in and, and the world disappears. Um, there you go, disappears. Adrian, have you got something you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Um, I did not come up with one, so I'll do a shameless plug. Uh, Groundhog with 2Gs.io. Uh, we have a free plugin. If you need help with your marketing automation, you can pick it up there. Oh, I'll let you off for that one. Spencer, have you got something you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Oh, yeah, I'm going, to throw a different, I'm going to throw a different one out because normally I do all the software stuff. There's plenty of those. But I'm actually going to recommend that if you've not done so, go on to Amazon or Walmart or anywhere you want and buy 
what is called an, a digital air fryer. It is essentially like the size of a coffee maker. It has a little tray that pulls out. And what's amazing is it's not about the health benefits. It's like, for example, what you can make in there. You can take a potato, chop it up into French fry pieces, put it in there, and eight minutes later, with just a little oil on top, you have the best tasting French fries in the world, or mm. broccoli, or a sausage patty, or a hot dog. That thing I paid $65 for on Amazon. It is the always waiting in line machine in the kitchen here because you can literally cook anything. And it's not about the convenience alone or the health alone or whatever. It's that you get crispy, really well made stuff, even like a, an English muffin. So if you're going to be at home all the time, no matter what you cook, spend 65 bucks, get it on an instant refund if you need to. Um, really amazing way to kind of like not go insane at home cooking cool stuff. Here we go. Stephen, have you got something you could recommend to the listeners of yours? Uh, yeah, I haven't played around a lot with, uh, this is more of a developer level, but Barba.js with which is like this uh, PJAX sort of thing. So you can put it on your WordPress site and essentially you define a wrapper and inside of that wrapper, it goes out, fetches the content and swaps, like hot swaps it out using Ajax. So your header and your footer will stay consistent. So it almost makes a website into like a single page application. Um, I've been playing around a lot with that and it's been a lot of fun because you can do some really cool transitions between pages um, and it can make sites substantially faster because you can prefetch things. So like you hover over a link, mm -hmm. you can prefetch that, load the content in. And as soon as a person clicks on that link, you can do the switch. So you can have all your images already loaded and stuff like that. Um, one caveat, it does not work well with WooCommerce or e-commerce type stuff. Um, so if you're into that, like it's probably not worth the effort trying to get that to work. But uh, other than that, it's really cool. Well, make sure it's in the chat, can you? Yep. Find the link in because it helps me. I'm sure the more developer types that listen to this will divulge that with great joy. Well, we're going to wrap it up, folks. I think it's been a good show. We've had a bit of a discussion. Adrian looks like he's going to go to sleep, but there we go. No. Uh, rather, so uh, I'm going to let them... Why not? Uh, well, I thought it was that bad. I thought, uh, Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, <clears throat> I'm at WPFangirl.com and I am uh, at Sally Getch on uh, most of the social networks. If you can spell my name, you will find me. I am unique in Google. Adrian, how can people find out more about you and your company? Uh, you can go to groundhog.io and that's Groundhog spelled with two Gs to get our uh, free marketing automation plugin. And Spencer, how can people find out more about you and when your product and what you're up to? Uh, launchflows.com. That's it. And Stephen, how can people find out more about you and your company? Uh, just head over to zipfish.io and see how to make a website faster. There you go. A speed machine. There we go. And um, we'll see you next week, folks, for another great roundtable show, a great panel, and a great discussion, which I'm pretty sure you won't find anywhere else in the WordPress community. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.